Good. <laughs> watch a vampire of a movie. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome. And welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of The Last Ones in Podcast. I am your host, Jirai Archuleta, and with me today we have E. Hello. And Robbie. Hey. And today we are going to be watching The Watchmen. Uh, the ultimate cut, to be very specific about it, because there are multiple cuts of this film, actually. The only one that's going toe-to-toe with Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> with how many cuts it has. Actually, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I would say this was probably Snyder's like first foray into, like, what's the ultimate like Snyder cut? Like, what's the best? What's the most Snyder? That Dan uh, Schneider? Come on. Yeah. Oh, oh, all these Schneiders. Who's Dan Schneider? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a cartoon thing? <laughs> Me. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, we'll be watching the ultimate cut. Um, I'm going to say right ahead, if anybody wants to watch it with us, this one's a little bit difficult. You can't rent it anywhere. It's not streaming anywhere. You can literally only purchase the physical ultimate cut or digitally on YouTube, Amazon, and Vudu for $14.99. Wait, that's rent? No, that's purchase. Okay. You, you cannot rent it. But okay. uh, if, you, if you send us an email at the last ones in podcast at gmail.com, we'll actually send you dry as copy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just let you borrow it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this one I will say straight up uh, is a little, a little pricier for an intro if you want to watch this particular version that we will be watching. And we will, of course, be watching it in 4K. Yeah. To be fair, though, the director's cut is everywhere, but it's not quite the same, I guess. No, the director's cut and the ultimate cut are actually fairly different but before we really do start talking about the movie i gotta ask robbie what's up what's been going on how you doing well i think i told you guys last week that my computer is everywhere and i got that all built up and everything and you showed us that it took your bed it's now your bed yeah it was for a while (laughs) probably jagged edges when i go to Mm. try to lay down but i finally got that working um it's all together i got so there's a quite the learning curve to get that computer built with that water cooling loop in there but i got it like the fact that it wasn't meant for that particular setup made it a little bit harder, but I got it to work. Main reason why is because the radiator was so goddamn thick. Like the radiator by itself, because you saw that I had like an old AIO in my computer uh-huh. at one point in time. Um, the radiator I got was thicker than the my old radiator with the fans on, so <laughs> that made it kind of difficult to fit in my computer. It's insane that you would say that anything has a difficult time fitting in your computer because your computer case is fucking huge. Yeah. So I just imagine that, like, instead of being able to see into your computer from the weird side screen thing that you have on it now, it's literally just a giant fucking radiator on the side. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, actually. But no, I, I got it to fit in a way you can still actually look inside my computer. Like, oh, okay. I, I got it all to fit, but it, it, it was definitely a learning process to get all that in there. That, that took up most of my time last week. And then most of this week has been me, like, messing around with overclocks and doing all that fun stuff that... I probably probably the only one in here that finds that fun in this room. I definitely have never understood how like because PC people are a, a very different type of people who like really just like messing around with like options and like all the specs and like that's the last thing I want to do when I go to sit down to play something. You just want to sit down and play it, right? Yeah, like the last thing I, I, I want to do is be like, okay, that. I'm gonna spend an hour and a half looking at the options now. <laughs> like it's just that's never been my thing. But like PC people are a different kind of person. It's like. I'm going to spend $7,000 to look at text for two hours. (laughs) 
mean, you do that, but it kind of goes along with like, and I hate to compare myself to people like this, but like, you know, whenever it's one of those, like you uh, work the couple hours to like, once you finally start to get into the game or get into whatever you're doing with it, then uh, it's just works that much better. But yeah, like that was, like I said, all in all is a learning experience, but I enjoyed it. Nice. Well, at Other least you that, had fun. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> work is, well, work. We actually haven't been working overtime lately, which is odd, hmm. but mostly because things have been slowing down. Right. So it, it's been giving me more time to sleep. No, no, no. Mess around <laughs> my computer. <laughs> How me dare sleep? you even mention That'd that? That'd be silly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so by you saying that you guys aren't as busy means that you actually just work five days a week instead of six. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a normal job now. Well, I mean, other than define normal. Nights. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. That's what I was saying, define normal. Like, if I was working a normal job, I'd probably be joining you guys on ARC whenever you guys be playing. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah, that's, I would never wish anybody else enjoy ARC. <laughs> because it just takes up all your time. <laughs> like, just don't even, ne- don't not even once. Cool. Well, anything else going on, Robbie? Uh, no, that's mostly it as of lately. All right. Well, E, what about you? Uh, I dusted off the old 3DS and have been playing some old games on that. Uh, I got, I decided to start a Chrono Trigger because I've actually never played that. Ooh. Oh, that's going to be a treat for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm playing the DS port, which I told is actually better than the Super Nintendo port. So what I've heard, yeah. Has like better cutscenes and some stuff like that, and kind I mean, of it just a has better. anime cutscenes in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which the funny thing about that that I found out because I have Chrono Trigger on PS One. That's where I think it orig- originated from because that one also has the anime cutscenes on it. Oh, bro, it's just hilarious though. Like watching those because it's like so clear that it's the guy who made Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, that's basically just Goku. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, like my biggest thing with that though is I think DS was really good for RPGs because the touchscreen is way better way of navigating menus, in my opinion. Actually, yeah, I could see that that being way more interactive and way more fun, just touching the thing that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then of course, playing the big league games, I've been playing Cooking Mama as well. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that game is fucking hard. Actually, <laughs> Cooking Mama is hard. <laughs> like, I was like, oh yeah, here we go, just doing stuff, and I'm like, I can't. Like, it doesn't tell you what you do wrong, so you just have to keep trying. Oh, so you actually have to learn to cook. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even, like, the cooking part that's hard. It's like, okay, pour out the spaghetti into the into the colander, and then I do that, and it's like, whoops, you fucking threw the spaghetti on the floor, you idiot. And I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, that's... Huh. I've never had that mistake in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I mean. It's like... It's like not like a mis like if it if I like didn't put the food in the correct order to the frying pan and some stuff got burned I'm like okay that's on me I should have been like yeah pork takes longer to fry sure but it's like you idiot you dumped all the spaghetti on the floor yeah, slowly uh, pour the spaghetti and then just throw it against the wall as yeah, hard as possible <laughs> I'm like ah. but that game's really fun though. Um, playing some Game Boy Advance games too. Uh, been playing Astro Boy Omega Factor, which is a beat 'em up platformer. Pretty Ooh. fun and w- way better than it has any right to be for being a licensed game. <laughs> and then I played a bit of Wade Hickston's Counterpunch. Wade is, Hickston's Counterpunch. It is a punch out game, basically. Ooh. Um, that one is really interesting. Honestly, how it like differentiates itself from punch out and it's i i've only played a bit my copy won't save 
So I have to restart the game next time I play. Oh, that's <laughs> it's always not, fun. It's not that long of a game. It just feels like if I want to beat it, I have to like just set out. Basically, it's an NES game for me now. Sure, yeah. I just have to set out the time to beat it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that one's pretty fun. Way more interesting than I thought it would be. It might be like up there with like the Super Nintendo Punch Out for me, which uh, for people listening, that's like my least favorite Punch Out, but. I mean, it's still Punch-Out. It's still really fun. <laughs> okay. Huh. So it's extremely similar to that, or it's, it's just... very similar to Punch-Out. Well, like, it kind of is... I'd say it's kind of between, like, NES Punch-Out and Super Nintendo Punch-Out. Like, it's somewhere between okay. there. Okay. It just has a lot of neat ideas. You don't, like, start out with, like, the Super Punches either. You have to, like, unlock them and buy them. Oh, so there's, like, a small, like, RPG system in it? Yeah. Okay. And then the part I like a lot is... um. You could just fix matches, too. You oh. can pay someone to, like, hit the opponent with a wrench. Oh. Or you can pay the ref to count your count slowly when you get knocked down. Nice. <laughs> it's just, like, fun. I'm not doing that because I want to be a good gamer <laughs> beat the game normally, but <laughs> it's kind of fun they let you do that. Yeah, that's cool. Huh, okay. Because <laughs> you're going to be in underground fighting arenas. You have to do it morally. Yeah, you know, when I beat up a pimp, I need to do it with my moral high ground. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, mostly just that. Um, I've just been like, I'm like, I'm gonna play a bunch of old games now because, like, for the past couple months, I was like trying to get all the 2020 games finished up. Yeah, I'm like, all right, time to kick back, play some, and play some classics. There you go. Well, then that works out. I uh, I don't remember if you made the recommendation on our regular show or on our live show. But you had told me about to check out Super Liminal. Yes, I so think I that actually, was a live show. Yeah, I actually did check that out though. Very, very good. Very short experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a super expensive game. It's like thirteen bucks. Yeah. Um, it it's good. It's just fun and very emotionally satisfying at the end. It's all about perspective in every sense of the word. It was a very good game. It was my second favorite game last year. Very good. Of 2020, in case you're listening in, like, the far-off future, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, update on my foot. Still not broken. Not a broken foot. Potentially. Potentially. So that's good. Uh, It still hurts. So that's bad. Oh, sorry. I'll take my foot off yours. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would help. (laughs) (laughs) So it feels better now. (laughs) So, yeah, I might be a fully functioning human being in another week. We'll see. Um, besides that, not a whole lot else going on because I've been at home being a bum. I've just been playing a bunch of stuff and watching a bunch of stuff, but I am going to save that for the live show. Sounds like the dream to me. <laughs> it's, it's been, it's not been bad. You too can be a bum if you quit your job. I could, but then I have to stress out about, you know, where to be a bum. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You just, you, you live out the rest of your money on your rent and then you go live under a bridge. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Sell your computer. You could probably live for another 20 years. I don't know, it counts on who I sell it to, I guess (laughs) Alright Well, let's get on to talking about this film Before I get to the description and whatnot Mm -hmm. We've all had some sort of contact with Watchmen Like, E, you've read the graphic novel I have read the comic, yep Um, Robbie, I think you've seen the regular cut I've seen the director's cut cut. The director's cut, okay Um, Have you read the graphic novel? No, I'd like to, but I haven't yet Cool I have seen every cut of the movie, and I've read the graphic novel, but I read the graphic novel a very long time ago, so some of that stuff is a bit iffy in my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little unorthodox for this uh, week, 
for the movie. Right. Well, you've still not seen it. Yeah, I still so. haven't seen the movie, but right. like unlike a lot unlike other times I haven't seen the movie, I do have an idea of what I'm gonna expect. Right. I will say there are changes between the graphic novel and the film. So I want you, E, to take a guess. What do you think those changes are? What do you think like the big things that make it different are? I think they're gonna kind of downplay a bit of the terrible shit that the Watchmen do in the comics. Okay. Uh, mainly the Wolverine type guy. I can't remember his name off. The, it was like Badger or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they're gonna downplay him a little bit. And then this is an extended cut, so I don't know what they would cut. The, they definitely still have to cut something for time, even with the extra two hours. I bet. There's a lot sure of montages. What. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I know the ending's different, but I'm not sure what they would do unless they just completely negate the amazing ending that Watchmen has. <laughs> That's, so we'll see. The ending is what I think is going to be really fun to talk about. Well, it'll obviously take a while before we get to talking about yeah. the ending part because that's going to be major spoilers. But that's the part that I'm most interested in, how you feel about that. And I'm interested to see, because you don't know how the graphic novel ended, did you, Robbie? No, I don't. I think that's going to be really interesting for you to hear, too. So this is a very cool thing. We have two people that have not experienced the other part of it. Right. Um, so that's very cool. And then I think some of the designs are slightly changed. I know the the royal guy, I forget his name, of course, um, they completely redid his design for this movie, I believe. One thing I'll say is watching a bunch of the special features, they tried to keep as true to the designs in the graphic novel as possible, and they tried to update it in ways that felt more realistic. So keeping it grounded in what they consider to be an alternate reality but keeping it like within that time frame of what they think alternate reality in that time period would have been like. Maybe I'll have to see them, but that kind of sounds like a bullshit excuse, honestly. Well, I, from looking at both the graphic novel designs and then what they did with costumes, I think that for the most part, they were actually pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah, pretty accurate. They, they pay proper homage to things and change things where it makes sense to change them. Mm-hmm. They don't do this complete redesigns for yeah, the most part. it's not like... I don't know, as long as it's not like fucking Wolverine redesign levels. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Because, like, I don't know, that, that always pissed me off about, like, earlier Marvel movies is they've had no faith in their source, basically. Right, it's definitely not that. Um, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll... We'll get into that. We'll have time to talk about that, obviously. Right. Um, so, Robbie, yeah. since you have seen the director's cut but not the ultimate cut what do you think the ultimate cut will add to it like what in your imagination like what do you think like the the additives are what i'm guessing the additives are going to be is i feel like there might be some more dealing with rorschach and more dealing with the comedian in this one like because that's in my opinion that's what uh most that movie was was like almost doing like a character design of like you know what each person was and there were certain characters that even though they were like a big part of the movie they didn't have a whole lot of I don't want to say character depth, but like a lot of expansion to like who they are and stuff like that. So I feel like that's just, just going to kind of go more in depth of like who each person is. Okay. Um, so before we go watch this movie, I'm going to go ahead and read the description and then give you some info. Mm-hmm. Someone's killing our superheroes. The year is 1985 and superheroes have banded together to respond to the murder of one of their own. They soon uncover a sinister plot that puts all of humanity in grave danger. The superheroes fight to stop the impending doom, only to find themselves a target for annihilation. But if our superheroes are gone, who will save us? And I think that that's 
a bad description of what Watchmen is, actually. <laughs> yeah, what? I, I think yeah. it's a disingenuous description that, about that what Watchmen is. That does make it feel like it's something it's not. <laughs> right. It makes it feel very Avengers-y. Yeah. Which it, it's... It's definitely not. Spoilers. Watchmen is what changed what superheroes could be in comics and in media in general. Mm-hmm. When it came out, it changed the landscape of what a superhero was. Yeah. Um... So I would say the description is very disingenuous. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a great one. <laughs> yeah. I will say that the ultimate cut is significantly longer than the director's cut. Um, Seven hours longer. It might feel like that. <laughs> um, the runtime for the ultimate cut is 215 minutes. Um, so three and a half hours, like 340 about there. It's long. Right. It's extremely long. They add a lot from the director's cut. There's... There's a lot they cut out, and there's a lot they straight up just added to it. It's a lot, and it's fucking heavy. So it's, it's uh, I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a difficult one. We're going to come back. We might have a completely different energy level. <laughs> That's mean, fair. Uh, the lot, like, this, I, this is going to take the place of Deer Hunter now, I think, because that was yeah. the longest movie. And you guys were pissed at how long that movie was. Yes. It did not need to be that long. No, yeah. I agree with you. It didn't need to be that long. But yeah. And then I think unsurprising for E here, rated R. Strong graphic violence, yeah. sexuality, nudity, and language. I'm not even going to question it, though, because, again, I've read the... Yeah, you know exactly I, I know why, why it has I'm, all of that. I know why it's there. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at the box. I'm curious why there's a PG on it as well. So, the PG is for a thing called Under the Hood. <laughs> oh. Which was a small documentary special featurette that came out with it. Yeah, no, Under the Hood is like a fake uh, documentary, like, 60-minute style thing that they did for, like, special features. I honestly don't know why they did it. Wait, with, like, the characters in character? Yes. I want, because the version of the Watchmen I had had kind of that kind of stuff in it. Oh, so I wonder okay. if it's kind of being a mod. It's probably to that. that then. Um, if they were to have added that into the ultimate cut, it would have been like a four hour, an hour and ten minute movie. So maybe that's <laughs> why they relegate it to special features if that's uh, the case. Yeah, it basically, it's a, it's a faux documentary about the first Night Owl. I will, I will I'll say, since it is such a long film, the first hour is non-spoilers. Because um, <laughs> it's insanely okay. long. That's one-third of the film. Less, actually. The first hour, non-spoilers. But yeah, I guess um, we can just get on to the movie, yeah? Yeah, probably. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in just a moment, and we'll come back probably, maybe, emotionally and physically drained uh, in... Th- Three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys in a little bit. And we are back. Wow. Watching The Watchmen. We are the ones who watched it. The Watchmen, that is. Yeah. Uh, the ultimate cut. All three hours and 40 minutes of it. Very long. All three yeah. days. There were multiple bathroom breaks. Mm-hmm. Mostly by me. <laughs> But I am interested, Robbie. Let's go to you first. Okay. You've seen the director's cut, and I assume you have seen the theatrical cut as well? I don't know if I actually saw the theatrical cut, but... Okay, theatrical cut is short for this standard. Right. It's I was going to say, if I remember long. correctly, like the theatrical cut was either just a little bit over or a little bit under two hours, and yeah. then the director's cut added like an extra 35 minutes of footage, and then this added a whole extra hour of footage. Right, yeah, I think the theatrical cut is like 2.15 or something like that. I think the director's is like 2.30 or 2.40. Yeah. 
and then this is yeah 340 yeah um it's just barely a director's cut though <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i don't think the director's cut was really much of a director's cut if we're being honest at this point at least in comparison to the ultimate cut yeah uh but robbie yeah what did you think of this i did enjoy it it did have quite the long runtime. I understand why they added what they added, and it did add su- or substance to the storyline, but man. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's almost too much. <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly agree. Like, I feel like it's one of those, it seems like there's some things that they should cut for time, because like a lot of, it seems like some of the stuff that they added to was just kind of almost what they did for Dr. Sleep to add on to it, where they just kind of draw some scenes out longer to give it a little bit more ambiance right um all the things we'll go over some of the simple yeah, stuff and that's that's not we'll really go spoiling. over some of it too because some of it was actual stuff that like did add to the storyline and add to what was going on and kind of added like an extra side story that kind of in a weird way was a parallel of what was happening in the in the actual story yes that, that one i think is very very interesting that was added because... yeah i actually did enjoy that every single time they added those scenes like i looked forward to it don't get me wrong yeah. But it, like I said, it was just a lot to add on to it. It was. One thing I'll say that isn't spoiler at all, one of the things that were added on to it, or that not added on, but one of the things that were just plain ad- extended from everything was the um, anything where there was a song. The song was extended to play a much larger part of the song. Right. Okay. In every single song in this instance. Um, there are some instances later on that E was not a fan of. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it right now. I don't think any of the song scenes needed to be the longest part of the song <laughs> i somewhat agree I, the problem is i like all the songs so i just like hearing the songs <laughs> i, mean, I, I think... like the songs too but i think at a point it starts getting ill-fitting <laughs> i would disagree i would disagree with that i think the songs fit pretty well but we'll get into that because i yeah. we'll, we'll talk about the that one, definitely yeah. is on my experience with the song too but yeah but yeah like like i said it was I have mixed feelings about how much it added on to the storyline because, like I said, all in all, I did enjoy the experience. Like, the Watchmen, the director's cut that I watched, I rather enjoyed that, and I rather enjoyed this, too. And like I said, it did add on to the storyline in a way that I felt like in a weird way was needed, but it was just very long in the tooth still. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. E. Hi. Uh, as somebody who was a huge fan of the Watchmen graphic novel, as... Pretty much anybody who reads it, I think, is, as long as they go in not expecting just a sort of cliche superhero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this film? As a movie, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, this extender cut. Uh, Ultimate. Ultimate cut. The Dan cut. Is very long and doesn't need to be very long. But I think what this movie taught me is I don't think you can actually adapt Watchmen into a movie very well. Um, that was the popular opinion for a long time. Because the original uh, Watchmen came out in 1986. Yes. Yeah. And which explains a lot. Well, of if I remember days. correctly, right. like whenever he uh, originally wrote the Watchmen, he kind of had this idea in his head of like, I like the idea of this to be or to make it impossible to make this into a movie. Well, yeah. Like, I guess as someone who's read the com- comic, the Watchmen is probably the best example of what you can do with a comic. The paneling in The Watchmen is amazing, and how it frames everything is perfect. Like, it's a comic, so you read at your own pace, but the way they framed everything makes you read at its pace. Right. That's the biggest thing that is hard for a movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I think one of the things that also work with the the graphic novel so well is that everything is set up to have a return, basically. Mm-hmm. So things from early on come back later, and things from later, you if you think about it, or even on rereads, you can go look and be like, was that this thing? And I think that that's one of the advantages that the graphic novel has as well, because you can just flip back and forth between a graphic novel yeah. however you want. There's nothing stopping you. In a movie, that's a far more difficult or tedious experience. Right, because... Um... Can I talk about, like, Dr. Manhattan and kind of how he does stuff, or is that more spoilery? Anything from the funeral and before is fine. Like, it's fine, and for the most part, I can tell the director really tried really hard to adapt it. Yeah. But it just, a lot of it doesn't work, and I think there's weird pacing issues, and some of that might be it's the parts from the original movie having to be paced fast because it's trying to condense the entire Watchmen story into two-ish hours. Right. And some of it, like, it's just weird, and it's just really hard and <laughs> to, like, explain if you haven't read the comic, but it's just the comic's so good that it makes it hard for me to watch this movie because it's cool from, like, oh, that's this scene from the comic. Right, you can recognize it's a lot of it, actually. Yeah, but like when you remove the comic from that, I'm trying to think if that scene still works just being a scene sometimes. One thing I think that's really cool, again, this is Zack Snyder. This is when he was still, I would say, coming up. He had just come off 300, but not too far behind this. And he was basically his coming up director still at this point. This is like a really big project for him. He absolutely did come into this with love and affection for the source material. Kind of everybody involved in the project did. Um, when everybody was hired on, they were given the script and a copy of the entire graphic novel um, and told to read both and decide if they want to be a part of it. And everybody who came on set, they had a copy of their script in their dailies and they had a copy of the graphic novel. And Zack Snyder actually was apparently fairly open about like, hey, like if you don't like how this is written, like look at the graphic novel, look at what you think your character is supposed to be doing and we'll rewrite it. Like if you don't think that's what the character should be doing or if you don't think that's how you can play the character. We'll figure it out. Like, we'll make it close, as close to the source material as possible, or we'll make it to where everybody else can work with it much better. Like, my script isn't the end-all be-all. We can work with this. I think that was really cool, actually. Another thing that he did to kind of honor the graphic novel style is he made it a one-camera production, which is a very tedious production. I bet. But it made it to where they can actually specify the frame a lot more so they don't have like an a and a b camera right like dialogue scenes they just have to shoot it a whole bunch of times but that means that they can direct the light to exactly how they want and so they can frame it like they would like you would purposely frame a comic panel right i think that's actually really smart i think that's kind of just my big thing is like as a movie it's pretty good but i don't know if i think as an adaptation of the Watchmen, it works as well yeah that's that's honestly completely fair i would say that even given this immense three hour and 40 minute runtime, it's still very much the cliff notes of what is in the graphic novel. Right. Cause there were some like characters and some scenes that I knew were way longer in the, not in the comic, but they just had to skim over them for time. And even in this, like you said, even in the extended cut, there were some things that just didn't get to be extended with it. Yeah. I think, you would have been immensely disappointed with the theatrical hit of this film. I, I probably would have, because there probably is way more to that. Yeah, there's literally yeah. an entire film's worth more yeah. put into it. Like, I don't think this is a spoiler. The Black Freighter stuff is all added in the ultimate cut. Um, that wasn't in the original. That wasn't in the director's cut at all. I guess that is a weird decision, in my opinion. <laughs> Not to have it included? 
to have it included. It's oh yeah. Like when you can when you're like grasping at converting the entire thing, it's weird that that's what they decided to for sure keep. And I know it's like in the comics is amazing cuz it's cool like how it kind of hints out what's to come and all this stuff, but I don't know if you get that as much in the movie. I think because it moves so quickly, it's harder to pick up on it, and you can't just kind of digest it how you want to be digesting it. Mm-hmm. But I think it does work. One of the things that's funny about it, though, is that it was like all of the newsstand stuff that was shot at the same time as being shot as the rest of the film, but they didn't use it. They There's literally only in the original and the director's cut, there's one or two shots of the newsstand at all. Yeah. And they eventually used all that footage that they didn't use for those cuts when they did a test of the animation for the Black Freighter stuff. So they went and did that separately. And then eventually with the ultimate cut, they cut it into the movie. Weird. Yeah, so it was originally like a, I think it was like a $10, 30-minute thing that you could go and buy separately a few years after the movie came out. Huh. Right, really weird, right? So yeah, it's it's a really weird thing not thinking of it being in the movie because I think that it does a really great deal for the pacing of it in that it kind of speeds up a lot of story beats that wouldn't that kind of felt a little shocking in the director's or theatrical cuts mm-hmm. because they asked how to fit so much of it in and it kind of gives you room to breathe and let your mind reset and then keep going with the actual story. I think it works really well on that on that level. But I do agree it is weird to want that in, which I think is why Ultimate Cut is what they want with the name of it cuz it's stuff that you probably don't need, but here <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just ultimately here you go. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's like i was saying earlier like all whenever they added in all of the black freighter stuff like i didn't enjoy that it was added into the movie but i could also see why they cut it out in the first place yeah and like i said it, it it's nice to have it added on to it but it is very does make every it does make it all very long in the tooth it does because it literally just bam 30 minutes just yeah. adds 30 minutes straight up to it and then there's like he's oh, i said earlier like there's some scenes that are extended like a good example like the uh scene at the very beginning wherever well you know the murder happens at the very beginning of the movie right it's the start Uh, of the movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh that's extended too especially when he's like just sitting down watching tv and they're talking about the impending doom with russia and everything yep that was all extended probably at least a good that felt like it was extended at least a good five minutes yeah there's they add a lot of footage onto that they do yeah um a lot of stuff too um you were talking about earlier what you were hoping was going to be added into it um, there's way, way, way less Rorschach in the theatrical and director's really? cut. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah. He's kind of central to the story. He is. Like, you, you hardly see Rorschach at all until he, or up until the point wherever he actually gets caught. Huh. Mm-hmm. There, like, there is a lot less of him. Uh, there is roughly about the same amount of the comedian. Yeah. Yeah, it's most not... of the comedian stuff wasn't cut. I don't yeah. think you could really add well, no, much like, to him. Right. He's, he's not there. <laughs> He kind of plays that role of like, you know, he's not the first character to where like they kill him off in the, in the beginning and then you find out who, like what kind of person he was post mortem. Like that is a medium that you see quite a few times in storytelling, but I figure that they might add a little bit more to his storyline, but is more or less the same with him. No, I think everything that he does is kind of so essential to the plot of the film and what he kind of stands for in the movie yeah. that it's difficult to take or add much. I'll say, even coming from the comics, there isn't a lot that didn't make it into the movie. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Comedian is pretty central to what the idea of the whole thing is, really. Right. Yeah. Comedian and Rorschach, which is why I would agree that it's so weird that Rorschach was so little in the theatrical cut. 
Rorschach is basically using the theatrical cut to introduce other characters. That's so weird because he's the driving force of everything in the in right the, yeah the series. One thing I'll say that I think Zack Snyder just got perfectly right was the design of the whole thing. Most of it, <laughs> you, I'll say. You disagree, I see. <laughs> there is one character that I think he really dropped the ball on, and that is Osmodius. Because in the comics, he has a very regal flair, and he's very he has a very distinct color scheme of purple and gold. Yeah. He just has a Batman outfit in the movie. Osmandius? I wouldn't say he has a Batman. His, his like, actual part, that part, is very oh, batman Yes, Yeah, the front part. That, yeah, that's very fair. Very 90s Batman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, And, like, the rest, I think, went well, because they kept all the colors. I just, I, I don't know if you have any of your fun facts. I saw a bit that that's more kind of an inside joke, is why they went with that design for Osmodeus. I didn't see any of that. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, it was just, like, a joke about the Batman outfit. Before we get too far ahead, I should say, Jariah, what are your thoughts on Watchmen? Um, I do like it. I do like it a lot. I think that they... Three things that I think that they really, really, really needed to nail were the dour tone, characterizations, specifically for two characters I think they did really well. And I actually... I think the music is really, really good for it. <laughs> I think most of it I would agree um, for you, with you. And when I say characterizations, I think the two I think they nailed were Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan. I think those, they got those to a fucking T. I think mostly. I th- well, I'll get to it in spoilers because it is kind of spoilers. So. Yeah, like I, I honestly really, really, really think that they got the Manha- Dr. Manhattan stuff perfect. When it comes to the end, I think that's questionable. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely <laughs> we'll get talk into about that. that. Yeah. Um, You'll get all the, all the takes, hot, cold, and lukewarm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Rorschach, I think they, they, that's also perfect. And one thing that I think that they did really well here, too, was that his mask is constantly changing. And there was a point in the movie whenever, like, did they just make him frown when he's kicked out when he goes <laughs> yeah. talk to Man- Dr. Manhattan the first time? I was like, yeah, he did. They did, actually. And they actually had, like, a subset of, like, shapes that his mask would take when he was feeling certain emotions. So if you pay very close attention or watch it a whole bunch, then you'll be able mm-hmm. to like see just off of the face structure of what the print is on his face of what emotion he's feeling. And a lot of those are based off of what the different prints were on his mask uh, from the graphic novel. So I think that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I, I like the music. I just like the music. I think it it's just like totally really I well. think it's fine. I think I even said during when even parts, I laughed at the music that if it well, it's just <laughs> yes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> what I know him for. Right. Like there was, them. There, uh, hello darkness my old yeah. friend the classic <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. amazing song absolutely love it it's such an amazing song you apparently inform me it's a meme it's very much a meme it's it's just used very very ironically okay. constantly so like when things aren't super dark like it will be like a dumb death like like somebody knocks over a bowl of cereal yeah just hello oh Okay. 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 Um, so you can not see knowing. That, yeah, you laughed out loud when that song started playing during comedian's funeral. Um, yeah. And I was like, "Why? Like, I think this is actually fairly fitting. It's very dour. It's a very dark song." <laughs> You're just like, I, "It's a meme." I was like, "Oh, crap. God damn it! Yeah. Internet. God damn it! Internet ruins everything." <laughs> <laughs> like, and don't give you. I love this song. I know the song on guitar. I play the song every now and then. But <laughs> great. 
I just can't take it seriously in a soundtrack. I'm not going to look up the meme because I don't want it ruined. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think fine. it's just like one meme in particular. It's the fact that it was like a series of them. Right, exactly, yeah. The way that the internet does. Right. Yeah, so I guess before we get into spoilers, we'll have a quick rundown of the plot. I won't spoil anything in that. Um, it's not what the back of the box says at all. No. If this movie cut off at one hour in, it would be about what the back of the box says. Yeah. Um, really, the plot is that there were just a bunch of normal people who decided to wear capes and masks and stuff like that to go and fight crime. Because, hey, they're wearing capes and masks. We may as well be like them. Um, and then a generation later, people decide to do that again, and it doesn't fucking work. And then a actual superhero comes. Like, what would happen if there were a real superhero, Dr. Manhattan? And he gets involved with the Vietnam War, and that fucks everything up. And the whole plot of the movie is that one of their own dies. He's not necessarily beloved by any of them. No. He's nobody's favorite hero, but one of them die. And Rorschach takes that very personally, because he takes it as a personal attack that he's being attacked, and that they're all going to be attacked if one of them were killed. And so he goes on his merry way onto investigation to figure out what's going on and who's doing this. And he goes to all his old hero team and talks to them and tries to get them involved to uh, no avail for a while. And that's kind of where I have to stop the description because then it starts to get into what this movie really is, I think. Spoilers from here on out. Last warning. If you haven't read the Watchmen comic or if you haven't watched the movie, spoilers. So what it ultimately ends up being is an old wash-up <laughs> has been, basically, can't accept what he is and that he's not perfect or that he's not right. He can't accept that he's wrong about things. And he goes on basically a suicide mission to try and prove how right he is about everything because he has this, what would you say, like... Theory? Y- like yeah. a chip on his shoulder, maybe? Well, definitely a chip on his shoulder. He was definitely <laughs> brought up horribly. Yeah. He has a few chips on his shoulder. I'm surprised he has shoulders at all. <laughs> but he, he's a damaged. Rorschach, I can, yeah. we can probably easily say, is very damaged. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I feel like he's a definition of damaged goods. Yeah. His mom was a prostitute, and his dad left him when he was young. Um, he was very abused. He's, he is a damaged household uh, to the T kind of child. Yeah. He... He can't accept that he's ever wrong about anything because he has this moral high ground that he always lands on and he is the most moral and everything is black or white. It's good or evil with him. And so when one of his own are are murdered, the comedian, the very beginning of the movie is murdered, he sees that as just evil. It's just wrong. But he justifies murdering in his own way because justifying killing other people that are bad is good. It's very... Mm -hmm. Fox News, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> I mean, considering how much he talks about like uh, the liberal society and how it uh, how it's damaging everything, like that is very Fox News of him. I yeah. mean, he kind of goes all around though. He's like liberal intellectuals. Like he doesn't yeah. like just stop at liberals. He goes basically anyone not him. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> And so he goes to everybody, and nobody wants to be involved. And he even goes to old nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and get answers, and he really Murdoch or something. Mo Moloch Moldock probably a parody of Murdoch. Yeah, saying it out loud. Moloch, I think something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, Moloch, Moloch. Okay, and to try to get answers, and he's like, "Hey, listen, I don't know what's going on." Uh, the comedian came to me the other night, and he was crying, and I never thought I'd see that, and he just kind of left. It's like, okay, he's like, "Don't take all my medication though, because I have cancer." <laughs> mm-hmm. Point being, all of Rorschach's story, he's journaling through the whole thing about everything that he's going through. And he's very clearly obsessed with 
um, trying to get this story out there because it's the ultimate truth. It's the only truth for him. And I think that's where this moral story starts to get very gray, which is what this is really good at, is just showing you the gray of everything because he wants the truth out to the detriment of the world. Yeah. Even though awful things have to happen for the good of the world in this in this world's story in order for the best outcome to happen. Um, Probably call it an alternate reality story. Yes. Yeah, it's sci-fi. It's for sure sci-fi. Yeah. Well, the reason why I say like alternate reality, because it's like an alternate reality wherever like Superman is real and he wins the Vietnam War for us. And right. Richard Nixon is on his fifth term. Yeah. So the story is convoluted and complicated and has a lot of threads that it pulls out. Right. You have the whole Dr. Manhattan thing going on at the same time. And he you're wanting to talk about this, how he perceives time and reality. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the things I want to talk about that I don't think the movie can, and it's not, it's a thing about movie being a different medium ultimately. Cause you were talking about the flipping pages. Something right. I really like about the comic is when Dr. Manhattan speaks, there are so many times he'll actually say something that he's talking about later. Mm-hmm. Like he'll say hi to people who aren't there. He'll start like asking questions that don't make any sense in context. And that's one of the things that this movie kind of can't do because it wouldn't make it would it wouldn't work as well in a movie because you right. can't go back because like he kind of does it where he'll like talk about something that happens a couple minutes ahead mm-hmm. but like throughout the entire comic that his you could see how he perceives time because all of it is basically simultaneous to him right well i think for like a whole project i think the comic does a better job at that mm-hmm. but i think the scene that concentrates on how he perceives time is done really well with the music um it's basically kind of ambiance really it's barely even music it's it can be heard in any of those notes as order and it will sound very um very similar to each other i think that's really cool and just the way that he talks about how everything is always happening all at once i think that actually works really well i do think that the comic does it better as a whole but i think for a movie it's done really well and i actually think that that's a really beautiful scene um especially for being a weird Superhero movie, really. Um, anti-superhero movie, I guess, but... It's superhero, nonetheless. Yeah, actually, I actually like that uh, Dr. Manhattan scene a lot, personally. But I, 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 can, I can get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Dr. Manhattan is kind of unfeeling, and his only connection to the world is... What's her Lori. name? Lori? I think it's Lori. Sally? No. Yeah, Lori. Lori? I almost said Sally, because they're both... That's her mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, long story short, she shrugs him off, goes off with Night Owl... Night Owl, Lori, and Rorschach all eventually are all together again after all kinds of mishaps and whatnot to to quickly go through it so we're not here all night talking about the, the story. To try to have like a five-minute synopsis of a three-and-a-half-hour lo- three hour long movie. <laughs> yeah, which eventually leads to Lori being transported to Mars where Dr. Manhattan went after he had learned that he falsely learned that he gave his ex-girlfriend and partner cancer, which he didn't do. It was all... Um, orchestrated. Yes, by Osmandius. And he's off on Mars hiding. He brings the girlfriend up. They have a big talk, which I think is actually important, but also kind of boring for what the movie ends up doing. Um, I think that's an issue of the movie changing the ending. Yeah, it is. Because it makes a lot more sense with the original. Yeah. It all eventually culminates in going to Alaska, I believe it is. No, Antarctica. 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 Yes, you're right. Alaska would be way less interesting. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to an American. Actually, was it an American state at that time? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. That time. uh i think it was the 40s or the 60s whenever Ooh, they but this is an alternate universe what if in yeah, this that, universe that they didn't get alaska <laughs> that is fair this uh-huh. is like a weird alternate history thing so maybe yeah. so yeah antarctica osmandis's base uh learned that he that he has been using dr manhattan the whole time to create these bombs that he sends to a bunch of different cities all around the world to scare the world into thinking that Dr. Manhattan is trying to kill all of them if they don't behave correctly. And they all go off and kill millions upon millions upon millions of people. Rorschach hates that this is happening because so many people are dying and goes to want to go and tell the world the truth. And that obviously can't be allowed to happen because world peace will now happen, obviously. And so Dr. Manhattan has to kill him, and then he goes to hide on Mars. <laughs> Lori, Night Owl, live a peaceful life, and Osmandius just sort of exists. His stuff isn't wrapped up at all, at all, at all. Mm-mm. He just is now. It's allowed to go free. Yeah. Yeah. And then it ends with seeing that the journal that Rorschach had been writing the whole time went to an extreme right-wing uh, paper that often writes about crazy, nonsensical things. And that's when the movie ends. So I guess the things that we should start going into, for funsies, are the differences between the graphic novel and the movie. Okay, I'll try my best. I It's been a while since I've read it, so I don't know everything. Yeah, it's been There's much a, longer since I have. So yes. <laughs> There's a couple main things. Um, I'll bring out a smaller one first. Uh, in the Mars scene, there's actually something they didn't, a scene they didn't use which I really liked. I get why they cut it because it's ultimately just a couple lines. But mm-hmm. um, like when he's talking about like the inevitability of the future, how he can't actually control it. Yeah. There's this really funny thing that Laurie does in the comic, where Doctor Manhattan's telling her like, "The future just happens. You'll just as you'll follow me up these stairs as he walks up the stairs." And Laurie's like, "Well, what happens if I just stay here, Manhattan?" And he just keeps walking up the stairs. He's like, "Well." Manhattan and she like, <laughs> and I like because like it, it's a funny scene but it also like really proves the point yeah like no one has any say in what happens really right and then uh another one uh that's not a big obvious one is um the therapy stuff with Rorschach mm-hmm. in the comics that is multiple multiple therapy sessions which kind of I think that's one of the things the movie messes up with where it kind of like oh i see a dog oh i see or i see a butterfly i see clouds Mm -hmm. it doesn't like show because in the comics the therapist really thinks he's like getting through like so it goes back to like him at his house and like talking to his family like you know this new case i really think i'm breaking through and like so it just keeps going to that where you kind of see the therapist like building himself up which leads to the payoff of rorschach just tearing him down yeah like, Which that might have been another one of those time constraints because I would have loved to see that too. It's just like multiple sessions of them trying to break of him basically going into battle with his therapist. Yeah, well, like it's not even like Rorschach's just like basically just manipulating his therapist. He's just telling him what he's he knows. teasing him along. Yeah, yeah. He just kn- he knows what the therapist is looking for because ultimately he does that. And that in the movie he like immediately tells him about Rorschach like the origin that's one thing i don't think the movie does as well as the comic again because i don't think you can the comic really shows that being the breaking point a lot better i think than the movie does yeah so a big thing the comic does is at the start of that flashback warshock has perfect like text as his thinking bubbles it is perfectly like a line is basically like aerial font 
and he's doing that until he realizes what happens to the little girl, in which case it goes to what we've seen up until that point, which is this really scribbly, scrawling mess of a type font, and, like, it immediately, like, clicks in your mind, like, oh, shit. Like, this is what broke him. This broke him, right. Because, like, up until that, he's basically just a detective. Like, a little crazy, but, like, <laughs> not, like... A little eccentric, you would say. Yeah, ac- <laughs> but, like, that is where he broke and became a psychopath because the world broke him. Yeah. He realized how shitty the world is. Um, that's another thing, actually, I forgot to mention. One thing that's added into the director's and ultimate cut, there's some of it in the director's cut, there's more of it in the ultimate cut of when he first start, he is talking to the therapist and talking about um, how he went and found the guy who killed the little girl and burned her and stuff. That's not in the theatrical cut at all. It's literally just he talks to the therapist, you get a literal like two seconds of the boiler, and that's it in the theatrical <laughs> cut. It doesn't go into that story at all. Goes what? into it a little bit with the director's cut, but not quite in depth. Like I think he just says like I broke some guy. Like I don't even know if he says I broke some guy's arm to get the information. Just that like he didn't see the world as uh, for what it was until that point, and then him seeing those two, those dogs fighting, finding the underwear and the uh thing, you know, tying the guy to the fireplace, and the guy saying, "Okay, I did it," and then him killing him and everything. That's another thing in the comic. It's not like it's kind of just in passing him killing him. Like it's not. Because in the movie, it's this big old scene where you see him, like, brutally kill him with a cleaver. But in yeah. the comic, it's not. And I think that's one, I think that's a negative in the movie, to my, in my opinion. Because I think it kind of mm-hmm. downplays. And I guess that's one thing I'll say is the difference in use of gore in the comics versus the movie. Because there is a very big difference. And it's one of my nitpicks about the movie is the movie kind of constantly uses gore. Mm-hmm. In a way that kind of seems tone deaf to why the comic needed gore. Yes, and I would put that up to um, Zack Snyder. Because I think um, when Zack Snyder is given the reins to just direct, um, he has a really great visual eye. Visually, he is a stunning director. I think he puts things together visually really well. Uh, Even movies of his that I don't like, like Batman vs. Superman or uh, Man of Steel... Ultimately, I don't think those are good movies, but there are shots in those movies I'm going to be like, that's fucking impressive. That looks really good. But when he has to have the reins of writing, he will go overboard on a lot of things in a way where I, he, he did 300, and it worked really well there. And then when you take it to a very serious thing here, it comes off as very tone deaf. Yeah. Um, and I think you can see that tone deaf mentality as well in The Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman and stuff like that when he did later on. Because he sees violence as this very cool thing. Like, you have to have violence to be serious um, instead of violence having a point. Right. Because, like, <laughs> again, it's really important to when Watchmen came out is things weren't that violent. So, like, this movie, of course, things are a lot more violent. It's 2008, you said, right? 2009. 2009. Like, 2009. Very, like, things were very violent towards that time, mm-hmm. especially with the rise of CG, so you can be very violent. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it loses a lot of the impact that the gore really needed in the original comic. Yeah. Like there's a scene where night owl and Lori go down a, just an alley and they just fucking beat up a bunch of goons and fucking like obliterate them basically. Mm-hmm. And it's so like out of place in this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. That felt like, uh, We've been doing this for an hour and 40 minutes, guys. The audience is probably bored of talking. Uh, we need to add an action scene. Right. That's kind of what it feels like. 
and it's just kind of one of my disappointments with the comic to the movie yeah yeah i I could see that honestly i get that Uh, i can't think of any other major differences to discuss other than that the The big elephant in the room um or the squid in the room as it were (laughs) yeah (laughs) so robbie uh i think you're gonna be shocked about the original ending because it's extremely different go for it uh so osmodeus plan is not to set off a bunch of bombs to make to frame dr manhattan he mostly sets off one big one (laughs) and that is to release a giant monster that is very different (laughs) yeah uh a giant psychic squid actually (laughs) huh yeah (laughs) he makes a dr manhattan squid no, no. It's not Dr. It's Manhattan. It's not Dr. Manhattan stuff. at all. It has no. nothing to do with Dr. Manhattan, actually. No. <laughs> he just sets free Cthulhu, basically. Kind of. Yeah, actually, pretty much. <laughs> but I think the funniest thing is, I think that had a way better impact than what they went with in this movie. Yeah, and it makes way more sense for why nobody would shoot their nukes off anymore. Yeah. Because they might need... So, like, the thing with the movie at the ending, it's like... Dr. Manhattan can kill any of us at any point. We have to save our nukes so we can kill him all together if he tries to attack us. But it doesn't work because Dr. Manhattan could literally do that in a snap if he wanted to. <laughs> all right. Well, and, I think with what that is, is it's, um, it's one of those arguments I've heard if, uh, like if aliens actually come to visit Earth and they actually end up being hostile, that'll be the one thing that actually achieves world peace because everyone will, or everybody will put their differences aside so that way they can concentrate on a common enemy. Yes, and that's which, kind of what it is. Is that but, in this, Doctor Manhattan becomes that common enemy. Therefore, they can put aside their differences so they can worry about him instead. Right. Which, in theory, great. But in a yeah. practice, Doctor Manhattan can literally snap and destroy the entire right, planet right, without thinking right. about it. That's, Whereas a giant squid is something they might actually have to come together and fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why, because the threat of Doctor Manhattan is just a way different threat than yeah, than right. a kaiju yeah than a kaiju right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no like i i completely agree with you guys that like that actually does make more sense it's considering what the ending was for this movie that is way more out of left field but <laughs> yeah. i think I, I i agree i i can see where you guys are coming from that does weirdly do make more sense of like oh yeah like this could possibly be a problem we probably shouldn't fight each other anymore right. and then here's the other big caveat uh osmodius is slightly a different character in the comic yeah. Here in the movie, he's just straight up a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like, oh, you can kind of see where he's coming from. You can see where he's coming from, but he kind of has like that same attitude to him that like Jared Leto had in Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> where he's very much up his own ass about everything. Like, a good example is like whenever he's just like, yes, I feel like I don't belong to, or belong, or I don't, uh, oh, fuck, what are those exact words that he used? The, I don't, um, set with anybody or i don't um relate to anybody the last person i related to died over three thousand right. years ago alexander, alexander the great <laughs> me was... and him were two peas in a pod that was a very weird line considering he's super obsessed with pharaohs yeah <laughs> but no that just kind of shows like how he thinks or how highly he thinks of himself in comparison to all the other plebs around him right but in the comics he's way more understandable yeah like he is frantic he's like very frantically like trying to figure out what the heck everyone should do. He's not like this weird outcast guy. He's like he kind of re- lives up his um his fame a lot more in the comic like Right. Like in the comic he's charismatic. Right. Like that's yeah. how he, like that's how why he's famous and he's able to do all this stuff cuz he's extremely charismatic. 
because he knows being charismatic is going to make you much more likable and thus you can use people more. Unlike yeah. the one in the movie, which he's just a heartless and emotionless asshole. Right. And that's compared to Dr. Manhattan, <laughs> whose main trait is he doesn't get emotions anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's it's bad when you see more emotions on the emotionless superhero Superman character yeah. than the guy who's just real smart. Yeah. Like, I guess to put it in perspective, one, there's not like a gigantic fight scene with no, <laughs> Osmodius no. in the comic. But like when Os- Osmodius like barely gets off his his big plan as like they are getting there. And his, like, what he does immediately after is, like, everyone's seeing the carnage. He's like, yes! <laughs> because he got it off, actually. Yeah. Like, he's a human being. Yeah. Yeah, like, his comic. plan worked and he's excited. The ending is ultimately the thing that I think changes how you have to view the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because the ending in the, in the graphic novel is just makes sense. And, like, yeah, it's silly it's in a comic book way and it's a sci-fi way, but it makes sense to what the story is. Right, right. Which I think is why a lot of people were saying for such a long time why it's so unfilmable as well, because fans and audiences would not be willing to expect a giant uh, or accept a giant squid coming into the end um, like that when everything else is so grounded and like dirty and grimy Mm -hmm. and stuff. I think that time has shown that that's just not the case. No. I mean, especially uh, considering uh, movies that did well like Pacific Rim. Right. Um, One thing that I think would be doing a disservice to the HBO show would be not to mention that. I don't think either of you have seen that, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but it is a sequel to the comic book. Right. It's not a sequel to the movie. Which, and they yeah. do not shy away from the squid thing at all. They That's one of the first things that they uh, get into, actually, in it. And I think uh, Osmandius is much, much, much closer to the graphic novel in that show than he is... In this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, like, there is another thing with the ending, though, is why Dr. Manhattan leaves. Yeah. Because in the movie, it's because he can't exist now yeah. or else everything's dead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the novel, it's his own choice to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think, <laughs> again, it's another thing the movie does that's really tone deaf. It's like he's like, I must go now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the in comics, like, he has the realization with Lori that she just he doesn't give her the emotional support she needs. And in the comic, the last thing he does is he actually sees that Lori and uh Night Owl continue sleeping with each other. So he kind of just walks he just like walks into them literally sleeping in the same bed and he kind of just smiles and leaves. Yeah. And it's such like an it's such a powerful it's just a powerful page to see that. Yeah. Especially yeah. again compared to the movie. Yeah. And Dr. Manhattan's final location in both ends up being Mars. He just goes to Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of those things that like the end point of where it ends up is exactly the same, but how it gets there is really the point. And that changes context a lot. No, I get that. Yeah. I, one last thing for the ending with the difference in the comic and that is going to be the destruction of New York because I think the movie drops the ball on that. Yeah, it's not nearly as destructed. Yeah, so <laughs> in the comic, you get, I think, roughly 10 pages to show the destruction of New York. There is no dialogue. There are no people left. Just the shattered remains of New York as you flip, and it's horrifying. 
movie, New York's gone. Yeah, you just see a big hole where uh, where Times Square used to be. Right. Yeah. And some of the, like some of that's just they did not give that the time it needed to sink in that New York is gone. Yeah. And some of that, I think, has to go back to how much they use gore constantly. Like, when you see people getting their bones shattered and, like, dying constantly, getting shot in the leg and their leg blows up. Yes. <laughs> Who cares when there's just buildings destroyed? Yeah. Dr. Manhattan loses so much impact when there's constantly gore everywhere because you can't, it doesn't sink in what Dr. Manhattan does. Right. He destroys every particle in your body. Yeah. Um, I think for the film, the emotional impact that it was hoping that you get is something that you would have to be, I don't know, probably at least 15, 16 at the time when it came out. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, and yeah. be a U.S. citizen to feel the impact of what they're trying to do. They're using U.S. history in a way and imagery of 9-11 in order to make you subconsciously feel an impact of something horrible happening. Mm. Like the remains afterward looked like the remains of what the two towers, uh, the twin towers, rather. Yeah, the, the twin towers, whenever um, it was at ground zero, like it's, after it's essentially yeah. what that looked like, like when they're reconstructing it. So it's, it's hoping that you have that like zeitgeist information in order to feel that for the film. Yeah. It's just, it does a, it does a disservice to the source material. Like, I agree. Again, I, they, cl- Zack Snyder clearly loves Watchmen. Yeah. But I don't know why he changed the ending so much if he did. Um, I know some of it's just fear of audiences not being able to take certain things seriously. I Yeah, I think that's literally literally why he changed it. It's just, it just, and it like makes so much things have less impact. Like, I'm going to say uh, in the final scene with Rorschach, his last moments, it, I love that, but that's only because I read the comic. Right. It does not do as much in the movie as it does in the comic. You don't see Rorschach in his final moments as you do in the comic. One thing that I think that the comic or not the comic, the film fails at as well is you don't feel nearly as complicated emotions towards Rorschach as you do in the comic. I Mm -hmm. don't think, I think a lot of people either really, really love Rorschach or really, really hate Rorschach on the film. Whereas in the comic, there's moments where you love him and you hate him and it goes back and forth and you have mixed emotions at the end. You're like, he's kind of right, but he's kind of not right too. Right. Like you don't know how to feel. And I think that's, that's what it, the comic does really well too. Well, and I think it goes back to with the comic. In the comic, he is straight up a broken man. The movie, he's just kind of like, oh, he saw bad shit. In the comic, you can tell he's gone. It's something like the movie hints at his thing with the his skin, quote unquote. Like he is not the person under the mask anymore. He literally is the mask. That is his skin. Yeah. And the movie kind of hints at this, but. Again, the comic just does it so much better, and I apologize that this is kind of just us gushing about the comic. I apologize to Robbie because no, no, he hasn't no, no, seen no. it. There's been a couple, like, there's been a handful of things that, like, I read the book and then I watched the movie and I'm like, yeah, the book was better. Like, it did this, mm-hmm. this, this, and this way better. Like, so I completely get your standpoint with that. Like, I tell Dry that all the time for, like, Ready Player One, which I get why he doesn't even want to read the book, but yeah. that, that was my whole thing because, like, those two things, it's night and day difference between the two of those or, like, um... I guess like the Crow graphic novel compared to the movie. Those are two very different things. All that to say, I don't think the movie is bad. I actually think this is Zack Snyder's best film. Undoubtedly so. That's probably fair. I don't <laughs> I don't know a lot of his films. Yeah. But. Um, 300, this, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, 
the very famous uh, Justice League cut that will be coming to HBO Max very soon. He did also get a very, very big break in um, remaking Dawn of the Dead. He is basically responsible for Fast Zombies, honestly. Um, he did that? Yeah. Huh. Right, yeah. He's, he's why we have fast-running zombies and why that was such a big thing for a while. Very strange to think about, but it's yes. The logical yeah. progression of zombies. <laughs> fast zombies, superheroes. <laughs> but I, I do think, though, that the actor who played Rorschach did a really good job of portraying Rorschach. Yes. Yeah. That, oh, oh, I was just going to say, that actor in particular has a very interesting history of like how he got into being an actor. Yeah, he really pushed to be Rorschach. Like, he fucking wanted that role. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, not only that in general, like, another thing is uh, he was supposed to get his start with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I guess he was friends with Johnny Depp, and Johnny Depp actually went with him to the rehearsal because he was nervous to go there. He's like, listen, I'll go with you. I'll, like, hell, hell, I'll even audition with you, and then we'll, like, uh, just to help you get your uh, nerves, at, or the nerves out of your system. And they went there and did that, and it they... Apparently he didn't get the ner- nerves out enough because Johnny Depp got the role and he didn't with that. But then years later, actually went to go play Freddy Krueger in the remake. Yes, which I think, for what it's worth, he was also a very good Freddy Krueger. Yeah. But that remake was a bad script. <laughs> Straight up <laughs> bad yeah. script. <laughs> That's unfortunate for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he did a really great job with Rorschach. Yeah, like, he, he definitely was Rorschach in every way. Because some of the characters... Like they're they're fine adaptations. Like, I think Osmodius is the only one I just straight up think bad yeah. is bad. But like, that's more a script issue than him. Yeah. Like, he probably could have delivered the lines if he was given the lines. He just wasn't. Yeah, he just wasn't given it. It is one of those things that I've come to realize later on because, like, I've seen a lot of actors that did really bad in some movies and really good in other movies. I feel like in a lot of cases, like not all cases, there are some bad actors in general, but. In more cases than not, it seems like they're either given a bad script or bad director telling them what to do more than they're a bad actor. Yeah. A couple funny things with casting. Um, the guy who played the comedian, um, very famously later on played Negan in Walking Dead and whatnot. But it's actually funny how he got his role. It's not because he was the best. <laughs> um, okay. Go on. He was according to Zack Snyder, just the most manly one. <laughs> and it wasn't even because he was just most, most manly. It's because everybody who went in auditioning were like very pretty boys and like very clean cut. And when Jeffrey Dean Morgan went in, he was just kind of a dick and like <laughs> super rude during the interview. And I guess Zack Snyder's like, that's exactly what I want. I want an asshole in the role. I th- and so like, that's what got him the job is because he was just sort of a gruff dick. I kind of... I wouldn't hire straight up an asshole, but like I do agree. Like you can't have a pretty boy in that role because that defeats his character. Yeah, yeah. Because like if you get if you get a pretty boy in that role, you get people trying to apologize for him. Yes, exactly. That's the issue. Yeah, and he does. He shouldn't be apologized for. No, he's, he's a horrible human. He is arguably the worst person, and that includes someone who started a nuclear <laughs> a nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. awful. Yeah. That's, it kind of gets into the movie, but, like, his character kind of is, he's just too American. Like, he is super racist, super sexist. He's everything America doesn't want to admit it was. Yeah. Like, and the in the Vietnam scene where, like, Manhattan's kind of like, you sound bitter. It's because he fucking enjoyed gunning down 
foreign people. Yeah. He is a terrible person. Yeah. Um, which I think uh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, did a really good job with the comedian as well. Um, he's just a really good actor, honestly. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one other thing that I thought was just a really cool way that they achieved something in the movie with practical effects in a way that you wouldn't imagine had practical effects, actually. It was Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, like, I've actually seen some of the documentaries talking about, like, how they got him to be, how, like, got the character to work the way that it was supposed to work, and it's really interesting, like, all the practical effects they used to make the CGI look more realistic. Yeah, so they had the actor who did the voice for Dr. Manhattan be there on those scenes. He's just wearing tights with thousands of blue LEDs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, dots on his face and a couple QR codes on his body so that they could do the CG a little better later on. Okay. But yeah, that's how they got the glow. So the blue glow you see in all those scenes is actually just thousands of LEDs just shining off. Yeah. Because of they were. <laughs> okay. uh, I remember hearing about that because they were talking about like how are we going to get this to work because it it's fine to make it look like he's glowing, but how are we going to have a glow on all the other characters too? Like right. you can't yeah, CGI all of that. Yeah. And so like, that's what they did is like apparently they even had LEDs on the bottom of his feet. Yep. That's hilarious, <laughs> but awesome at the yeah. same time. Yeah, it's a really cool practical way. Is there? Can you watch the scenes without the CG or it's just? The- guy walking around in a bunch of leds there's a little bit of footage of that yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah like the guy who played um like when he's going back to his memory scenes of like who he was before he became dr manhattan it's the same guy who does the voice and everything oh, okay. but yeah they just had him walking around in a white suit that had thousands of leds on him yeah it's extremely bright yeah <laughs> the other thing that goes back to showing that Zack snyder just really loved the material there were over 200 sets built for this film um, like all the outside stuff isn't actual New York streets. They just built a bunch of New York streets on a lot and gradually aged them in a realistic way. So they would literally like build stuff, paint it, wait for it to rain, and then go and put more layers on, wait for it to rain again, so that it looked realistically aged and grody and stuff. Huh. Um, there's a lot of work put into the set design actually, yeah. and stuff that you can't even see, which goes into one of my biggest complaints about the version that we watched tonight. Uh huh. It's straight up a bad 4K, um, (laughs) which is disappointing. I mean, to be fair, like they, if I remember correctly, like this actually was filmed digitally, like Mm -hmm. on, uh, it wasn't on like 70 millimeter or anything like that. It was actually on digital and it was meant for 1080p. Yeah. But the other thing is, is it does my least favorite thing when converting stuff to HDR. They didn't go in and just make the brights brights and the dims dim. They put a whole filter on it, which is what Disney does as well. And it makes it for a very overall, like the movie's already dark. And then they yeah. basically put sunglasses on the whole thing <laughs> so that it makes it seem like the things that are supposed to be brighter, brighter. But really, that's just what their normal brightness is. Um, <laughs> and so it's just straight up a bad uh, version. Like if you watch the Blu-rays, it just looks better. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, there were some scenes that seemed like they were unnaturally dark because i remember them being brighter but i have the blu-ray version of it right it's just absolutely disappointing yeah it is um i because they could go through and just make it look better with hdr and that would be a huge plus but they just did the lazy thing like how disney does and just put a fucking filter on it basically that's that's just my least favorite thing about adapting old media in general is that companies do the lazy thing like as a cartoon fan there are cartoons that are just four by three Yep. You can't make them not 4 by 3 <laughs> but goddamn do companies try, and that either involves stretching them, which looks terrible, or cropping them, which means you lose so much. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. And <laughs> oh, I hate it. The other thing is that if you want to see it, that kind of thing done right, Lord of the Rings came out 4K uh, just very recently, uh, like November or something like that this last year of 2020. Yeah. They went through frame by frame and they made the Hobbit trilogy and Lord of the Rings trilogy look like it came from the same exact cameras, same everything. They made it conducive to one another to feel like it's all one big series of films. And not only that, they went in and they retextured the CGI models. They didn't add new CGI. They didn't add a bunch of new stuff. It's exactly what you saw in the original cuts. They just retextured it to make it look a little bit more modern. And then they fixed the brightness on things. And then just bam, here you go. 4K. It looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it's spectacular. To be, to be fair with that, though, like Peter Jackson put a lot of love and care into the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, there is a lot of stuff that happened in this or that was happening in this movie that kind of does coincide of like recent history. Like one thing that I I think all of us snickered at least a little bit about in this movie is like whenever uh, Osmodius is having that conversation with all those corporates and they're all talking about like you can't have free energy. That's a socialist idea. Yeah. No, it <laughs> yeah. was a communist. It no, he a... said socialist. Socialist okay. communist. Yeah. yeah, that's socialist, which is basically communism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I heard that and I was like, oh god, I've heard that a lot recently. Well, it's because that literally has always been a thing, though. Yeah, like people. The government manufactured the Red Scare, and we're still living in it. Yeah. Yeah. USSR hasn't existed for a long time now, <laughs> yet people are still scared of it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. But I think we can get into final thoughts here. Robbie, we'll start with you. What do you think of this whole thing? So, all in all, I do love The Watchmen. Like, it, it is a fantastic movie. I would love to read the comics, but... I think it's one of those I'm going to have to read the comics and then watch the HBO show. The HBO yeah. show is fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't totally believe you, but once again, it's something that got stuck in my backlog that I just haven't gotten to yet, but now I have to wait until I can actually read the comics in order to watch that now, now yeah. that I have that knowledge. <laughs> um, it is a fantastic movie. It is very well done. I, I do love the, I love the storyline to it. I love the subtext of it all. Uh, it is very, it's a very dark and gritty story. But I'm also into those kind of stories anyways. And like I said, it has a lot of it's a movie that very much lives in that gray area. And it doesn't tell you that you should feel one way or the other. It lets you decide for yourself and it does in a very fantastic way. But it is very long, especially the ultimate cut. And yeah. that it's to its detriment, but it's also to are uh, a positive towards it, too. So it, it makes it like uh, it's hard to know how to feel about that. I think overall, I'm glad that I experienced it. But like as of right now, I'm just like I'm like towards the end of that movie, even though I was still very much invested, I was just like, I'm so tired from watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. No matter how much you love something, when you're sitting on a couch watching it for so long, you're just like, I'm fucking done. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I was at with it. And like it's one of those you can only sit and watch something for so long. That's weirdly enough, like so far, because I haven't read the comic books, I think that's probably one of the only downsides. Of it, I'm pretty sure I'd probably be in E's corner saying like the comic was better if I read the comics first because weirdly enough, like what like probably still my favorite comic book movie is The Crow, but now that I've read the graphic novel, it's just kind of uh, like it. It's one of those things like they're <laughs> both very different, right? But all in all, I'd still I'd probably still give this movie a nine, despite that. Like it is still a very very well done comic book movie, still one of the best in my opinion. Yeah, um, I'll go next and give E the final word on this one. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, like I said I do think this is Zack Snyder's best work I don't think that it's his most revolutionary work 
But I think if anybody was going to pull off doing Watchmen as a film, Zack Snyder was the fucking closest you could come. Right. Because that man just immediately wants everything to be deadly serious and grim and dark. And I think he's one of the few directors who love comic books and want to hit that tone in Hollywood that you could get to do this. I think the thing that wound up hurting the movie the most is how little faith he or the studio or a mix of the two had in the comic's original ending. And I don't know if that was just him wanting to differentiate himself from it or or what it was. There's not a whole lot on that. But whatever it was, it was the wrong choice because the ending is ultimately what contextualizes the entire meaning of the whole thing and gives all the dark, gritty things a reason to be dark and gritty and gives you that ending that makes you feel grimy but justified in a way. It's The comic... <laughs> does it so successfully and makes you feel so many things it's a one-of-a-kind thing it literally changed the foundation of what comics could be from that point on and i think because it changed what comics could be it ultimately changed what pop fiction not pop fiction uh pop culture storytelling could be as well like this was a huge groundbreaking thing when it came out and i think even now if it it came out today it would be groundbreaking in a lot of ways it just ascends its medium and hits a whole nother level that i think so many things wish that they could even get 10% of, honestly. This movie doesn't. <laughs> the comic does. I think the movie is kind of exactly exactly what you think it'll be. It's going to be a Zack Snyder comic book movie. It's going to be too violent in parts. It's too violent in. It's going to be sexual in weird parts. It's going to have tone-deaf portions. But I think visually, it's stunning. It's something great to look at, which is another point of what I'm going to say. If you can find the ultimate cut on Blu-ray, which it's out there, that's the way to go. The 1080p Blu-ray version, it's brighter and it's oddly crisper. That's the way to watch it, if you can. Um, it's better to watch it in its native 1080p than it is to in the anti-aliased 4K, in a weird way. Yeah, and like there's ways that you could upscale it and do it, but they didn't do the work. Right. If at if some point in the future they do the work and come out with a version that's 4K and HDR that looks good and is properly bright... The super ultimate cut? <laughs> the pan-ultimate right? cut. <laughs> <laughs> um then I will retract the statement and I'll go back and I will, I'll say, hey, I was wrong. This is the version to get. Now watch it this way. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. For, for what it is, I think they did a great job, but there's things that I just straight up don't like. Like, like I said, the comic just did it better in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I do like it and I would probably give it an 8.5, I think. Okay. Yeah. E. Alrighty. So, this movie just proved to me that you really can't adapt Watchmen perfectly. You can't... This movie is really the closest I could ever see anyone coming to, bar doing the actual ending. Right. But even then, there's so much that this movie just doesn't get that made the comics so great. And it's really just goes to show how perfect the Watchmen comic is. It's one of the things I would just straight up say is perfect. I don't know any way you can improve the comic, and because of that, the movie just had gigantic high bars that it just couldn't possibly reach. Right. And if I went in this never having read the comics, I probably would be a lot more positive on I probably still hate the ending because I think the ending is <laughs> very tone deaf. Right, yeah. yeah. I would definitely be a lot more positive, but just knowing where it came from and what it could have been really sets this movie back, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's it's a shame because there is a lot of love and a lot of work put into this 
that just ultimately gets sideswiped by the fact that there's something that there's just a better way to experience it. Yeah. And it's just one that came out way earlier. Way, way earlier. Way earlier. Like Decades 20, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if they remade a video game but managed to make it worse in every way. It's happened. That's yeah, seen, no, I actually, know it's yeah. happened. I played some of that made it worse. It's just like insane and it's unfortunate and uh, don't let me make you not want to see this movie though because this is definitely a movie worth seeing even if you've seen the comics maybe you'll watch it and have a different thought about it maybe you'll be okay with the changes they made but like the comic just hits me in so many ways that nothing has (laughs) and it just is unfortunate i it makes me interest. I am interested in the HBO show that you're talking about. Seems like it'll be interesting if it follows the comics more. It's probably the most perfect thing you could do to follow up Watchmen. Mm-hmm. In and in, in every single way. Ultimately, like it's just a shame is how I describe this movie because <laughs> there's so much that it needed to do that it just couldn't. Some of it's time. Some of it is literally just the medium. There are just things you can't do in a movie that you can do in a comic. Right. And ultimately, I I still rate it favorably, but I will give it a seven, ultimately. Okay. That's fair. That's entirely fair. Well, thank you guys for sitting through this very long slog. <laughs> uh, very, very long film. We did it, guys! <laughs> uh, I think it takes the cake for the longest film we've done on this thing now. Yeah. Um, there might possibly be a longer one in the future. Who knows? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that is like a like we're planning on doing a longer nah. one. I'm just saying, <laughs> chances are we'll find a longer movie. I'm finding watching paint dry the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, e, if they want to get a hold of us anywhere, where could they do that? We got a Twitter. We got a Facebook. We got an Instagram. The last ones in and the last ones in podcast. Uh, just search both of them because we'll probably be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one day I'll. One day we'll look up. Yeah, which we'll look it up. Favorite. It's definitely something. <laughs> look it up and possibly write it down. <laughs> Don't get too crazy, Rob. <laughs> we have an email. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your favorite superhero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's this week. <laughs> uh, all right, Robbie, take us out. So, whether this is the first time you've heard of us or you've been with us since the beginning, thank you for listening. And if you're out and about, do what you can to be safe. Wear a mask. Make sure you wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Make sure you be clean wear gloves whatever you need to do but if not do what you can to stay home stay alone stay alive and hopefully we'll see you guys next time thanks for sticking around have a great week talk to you later bye later i'm so fucking tired